0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to the passage listed in your bulletin, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Today, we are continuing our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. The reason why it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because Jesus is preaching a sermon by a mountain. And this is the greatest sermon ever preached. And we've looked at various topics like loving your enemies, and anger, and prayer. And and today we're going to talk about something that Jesus talks about that hits home for many of us. And that's the subject of anxiety and worry. Today's sermon is on anxiety and worry. Before I get to the sermon, I want to make a brief side comment about mental health. I am a mental health advocate, and my intention today is not to make anyone feel condemned. Some of us, because of our genetics, family upbringing, or various traumatic events that have happened to us, have affected us in negative ways. Some people have clinical anxiety, and if that's you, my heart hurts for you. And, and there's, there's depression, and there's other things as well that I think we need to Talk about more in the church and be honest about and figure out ways to serve people. So if you're one of those people that struggles with clinical anxiety, I just want to say, um, I, I, I'm, not necessarily, I'm not talking to you. Uh, there's, all anxieties are not the same. The anxiety that I have in mind today is the kind of anxiety that comes from not trusting God for provision, not clinical anxiety. Those are two different things. So I don't want you to feel condemned in any way. Hopefully a healthy sense of conviction as we take a look at what Jesus has to say to us about anxiety starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon... And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When I was in seminary, I struggled a ton with worry and anxiety. I took five classes, sometimes six, sometimes seven finish the Master of Divinity program in three years. Most guys do it in four, not bragging, just giving facts. And it was a tremendously difficult, hard time for me. Um, There was rough schedule of academia and trying to keep up. Newborn child, working part time. That, on top of other issues as well, made me an anxious mess and often unable to sleep at night, at least for the first half of the experience. One of the hardest parts about seminary was the first week of class. Professors would hand out the syllabus on the first week of class, and I would read the syllabus, and some of them were five, ten, 10, even 20 pages long. And they would tell me about the books I had to read, and the papers I had to write, and the sermons I had to preach, and the Greek and Hebrew that I had to do. And it was, I would read this syllabus every first week of the semester and wonder, seriously wonder, how, how am I going to get through this? Worried and anxious constantly all the time throughout each semester. In this passage, Jesus is preaching to his disciples and lets them know why they shouldn't get anxious. We too struggle with anxiety because of our desire to be in control all the time. Or because of our little faith. As a result, it's hard to be content in God's provision and trust him to come through. The big idea of the sermon is that we should not worry, because God cares for his disciples. God cares for his disciples, and we see that in several different aspects, starting in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. First word, therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible, as the old joke or old saying goes, whenever you see a therefore... You have to ask, what's it there for? And in the previous verses, Jesus is talking about money and how to spend your money and trusting God for money and possessions, and so we can rightly conclude that he's talking about not being anxious about your money or God's provision for your life, but it's not just money. In the context here that Jesus gives, he talks about food, drink, clothing, serious needs for the Hebrews listening in, in this context If you constantly worry about these things, or if you constantly worry in general, it will affect your quality of life. And so Jesus is adamant about making this point. In fact, he says, do not be anxious three times. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. What's forbidden here is worry, and I'm using worry and anxiety interchangeably. What's forbidden here is worry not responsible provision for yourself or your family. In no way is our Lord suggesting that we should be lazy or careless about our work or about what we do. Some people like the expression, let go and let God. That's a good start, but as J.I. Packer says, it might be more biblical to say, trust God and get going. As you trust God and work hard, He will provide for you And bless you along the way. One of the reasons why, as Jesus gives in this passage, that disciples should not be anxious, is the human being-animal distinction. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? You can picture Jesus on a sunny day in Palestine, and people are coming in to listen to him speak. And there's birds in the air, and he's giving a visual representation of what this could look like. He's giving a, as you might say, how much more example. The logic goes like this. If God provides for the birds who are not created in God's image, how much more will he provide for you who are created in God's image? That's why Jesus says more value. He doesn't say that birds have no value. Animals are a beautiful part of God's creation. And they're meant as a proof of God's existence. And should be cared for and treated well. But as the argument goes in Genesis 1, they are not created in God's image, but human beings are. We are distinct. God provides for the birds. He will provide for you. Notice, God provides for the birds, but they still have to work for it. They still have to search for their food. They, they don't rest on a twig and open their mouth and look up to heaven in hopes that food will somehow fall down. They gather insects and worms, prepare their nests, they care for their young, so on and so forth. Jesus is not once again saying that we should do nothing, but as we work hard, we trust him for Provision, one proof that God will take care of you is the birds. Look at the birds. Open your eyes. Look at the creation. God cares for them. He will care for you. That's a theological statement, but Jesus makes practical statements as well in this passage. And in verse 27, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? He's being very straightforward there. He's saying worry cannot add a single year, month, day, minute to your life. It doesn't help anything. It, it's deceptive. It gives you this illusion of control, but it's just that. It's an illusion. You're not in control. So Jesus is saying, what are you worried about? It doesn't help your situation. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anyone that you live with. It doesn't help anyone that you work with. So stop Worrying, cast that care on the Lord and trust them with the results. One person put it this way, worry never solved a problem, never dried a tear, never lifted a burden, never removed an obstacle. It never made bad things good or good things better. This past Tuesday morning, I went to the doctor. And I went to the doctor and they looked at me and there were some, some red flags potentially. And the doctor said, straight forward, she said, you don't want to mess with this. I said, okay, what do I need to do? She said, you need to draw blood. I said, okay, when? She said, right now. Go next door and draw blood. I said, okay. So when will I find out about the results? She said, we should have the results for you tomorrow. But if not, call us on Friday and we'll let you know. So they, they didn't have the results on Wednesday. I waited until Friday. And finally got to hold of someone around 4 p.m., and the results were normal. Everything is fine. But there were three days there. There were three days there, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where I was in this mess of wondering, okay, I'm, I'm preaching on anxiety. I've got worry. This is not a coincidence. God, what are you doing to me? Had a choice in that moment. Am I going to be anxious? Am I going to be worried? Or am I going to trust God? It was a struggle. It's difficult to do that. When you get that phone call, or that email, or that text, or an update from the doctor, it can be very tempting to want to be frantic right away. Here Jesus is relinquishing us from the desire to try to be in control of our future and trust Him with the results. Some of you have been walking with the Lord 50, 60, 70 years, maybe longer for some of you. You've seen enough of God's faithfulness over the years to know that he's going to come through. And maybe this isn't your big struggle. There could be other struggles, but maybe this isn't your big one. And so let me just encourage you, help the next generation. Help my generation, maybe kids or grandkids or younger people in this church. Share stories of God's faithfulness. Share stories of Scripture and encourage other people in this way. Things like just keep your head up aren't that helpful But when you're vulnerable and you're sharing scripture and you're encouraging people to look to Christ, those are powerful things in community group or other contexts where we're encouraging one another, where people feel comfortable of sharing a burden or sharing anxieties, and you receive that as a trustworthy recipient of that information and somehow mostly listening and building trust first, but eventually you can give them truth and be Helpful. To them in some way so let me just encourage you to encourage one another when they feel anxious or they cast that burden on you not to be condemning not to use scripture in such a way to hammer people down but to love them with the truth and care for them and Jesus knew that his disciples would struggle with worry so he he covers this at length and we continue on in verse 28 where he says and why are you anxious about clothing Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? We move from birds and now we're flowers and grass. and Jesus says, consider the lilies. I love the word consider there. Think. Use your brain. Use logic. Be rational. At one place in Philippians, Paul says uh, about anxiety, he says, let your reasonableness be known to all. It's so easy to be unreasonable when anxiety strikes. And Jesus says, he's encouraging faith through contemplation how, with how God treats lesser creation. We first looked at birds now we move to flowers and grass and he's saying think about those things think about the flowers and the grass flowers and grass are old testament metaphors often used to describe the fragility of life or the brevity of life the shortness of life and jesus says about the flowers he says even king solomon was not arrayed like one of them flowers might be beautiful they don't last long Grass is useful, it doesn't last long. And that day was thrown into the fire, that's why Jesus says that there in that verse. And here Jesus is saying, hey, even God takes care of the flowers? It doesn't even last long? He takes care of the grass? Even though it's going to get used in the fire? Those are two things that are often overlooked by people. How much more is he going to care for you? An image bearer of God image bearers of God, who God sees and knows and cares for and loves and is going to provide. And Jesus says that the the reason for this sinful worry is found in five words. Oh, you of little faith. This is a convicting statement. If we assess our hearts and see our hearts dominated by Worry and anxiety repeatedly over and over again. I'm, again, the, the kind that comes from not trusting God. We have to ask, where's our faith? Is our faith in our circumstances or in God? Is it in this life or in the one to come? Jesus says, the, the root. The root of this worry is a a lack of faith, O ye of little faith. Worry and little faith go together, and the remedy is more faith in God. And usually, not always, the more you walk with God and see his faithfulness, the more you're able to have faith in him. And there was a story in the book of Mark. I'm sure you've probably heard of it. There's a a father who has a demon-possessed son and he approaches Jesus and says, "Hey, if there's anything you can do to help him, please help him." And Jesus says, um, "If if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes." And then I love what the Father says next. He says, "I believe, help my unbelief." I believe, help my unbelief. If you're struggling with worry, if you're struggling with anxiety. If you feel like your faith is low, if you feel like your present circumstances are mounting, the sleep is escaping you. There are other remedies, like talking to friends, other remedies like Bible reading and prayer and that kind of thing, but the passage doesn't actually address that. What Jesus is saying is, have more faith. Pray, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to wonder, God, where are you in this? When you read the Psalms, you see a lot of laments. The epistles, the 13 letters in the New Testament are filled with suffering and hardship. It's okay to have doubt about theology, about Bible, about Christianity. It's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to pray, God, I believe. I've been walking with you 20 years, but I still have this unbelief. Help. It's a prayer that I've prayed for myself, and I just encourage you to pray, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief if you're struggling with a lack of faith. And you feel like worry is dominating in your life. Jesus knows what we need before we even ask it. He says in verse 31, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, what shall we drink? Or, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. The Gentiles seek after these things. The pagans, the ones who don't know God, The ones who are not going to heaven after they die. They're the ones that are constantly fretting about needs and food, drink, and clothing. But you, you're my disciple. Where's your faith in me? Where's your trust in me that I'm going to come through? There should be a distinct evidence from the way that you live compared to the way that the Gentiles live. And when we're constantly fretting and worrying and, and anxious mess about every little thing, what we're showing is that our hope really isn't in God. It's not really in heaven. It's in other things. It's in worldly things. And Jesus is saying, even the, the Gentiles seek after those things. But you, no, 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 no. Your heavenly Father, who's omniscient, meaning all knowing, knows what you need. Trust Him. You're not like them. Have faith. My, one of my biggest problems, struggles is um, I, my, I usually, my, my issue is that I usually don't, I, I do trust God to provide. I know he's going to come through. My issue is that I don't usually trust God to provide in the way that I want him to. I know he's going to take care of me, but is it going to be on my timing and the plan that I have and the way that I think it should go? So I'm, I'm trusting God's sovereignty mostly. Sometimes I don't. I'm trusting God's control, but I struggle with trusting God's wisdom. Over the years, I've realized that we have to trust God's not just his control, but also his wisdom and his ways and dealings with his people. There were things I prayed for in my teenage years and 20s, early 20s and mid 20s, and so forth, that I knew for a fact that this is, was, was best for me. This was God's will. I wanted this to happen so bad. And a lot of them didn't happen. And now I look back and I think God was right. He knows. He knows the future. He knows what's going to happen. I don't. And so the, the call is not just to trust God's control, but also his wisdom in taking care of his people. We're commanded not to worry because our heavenly Father knows what we need before we even pray. There's one more command in this passage, and it's found in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Instead of putting your energy, and energy is not just physical energy, there's emotional energy, instead of putting your emotional energy into worry, which is useless and worthless and gets you nowhere and only robs you of your joy, channel that energy into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Seek First, the kingdom of God. The word seek here is a powerful word. It means being absorbed in the search for. A strenuous effort to obtain something. The grammar is a present imperative. uh, So you can translate this, be constantly seeking. It has a deep force behind it. You can think of yourself if you're in public and you lose your wallet And you do everything to find your wallet. There's just absorption with finding what you've lost. There's an urgency to find what you have missing. And Jesus here is saying, this is the kind of urgency I want you to put forth as you seek the kingdom of God. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? Uh, Kanye West recently, reportedly, has radically come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I've been watching interviews and listening, and it seems legitimate. Other pastors who I trust are saying the same, and I'm just praising God for His salvation. And He, he released uh, two days ago. He, he released a new album on Friday called "Jesus Is King." More streams on Spotify than any other album ever in the first 12 hours of being released. No cuss words. Very Jesus-centered. Jesus is King. The first step to fighting for the kingdom of God and seeking the kingdom of God is recognizing that Jesus is king. And it means this, arranging your priorities in life so that it is unmistakably clear that God takes precedence over everything else. Jesus says, if you do this, he will take care of you, that God and his kingdom And kingdom business is the most important thing in your life over everything else. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says in verse 34, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is one of the most straightforward, plain scriptures in the Bible. I think the NIV is actually even more clear here. Jesus is being completely honest about life. And we live in a fallen world, scarred by the world, flesh, the devil, and Jesus here is being honest and saying, every single day of your life, you will have trouble of some sort. Every day there is trouble, but every day there are mercies for that trouble. God doesn't give you trouble mercies today for tomorrow's trouble. God gives you what you need when you need it and not a second before. If God gave you everything you needed right now for the rest of your life, you would neglect him. You wouldn't trust him. You wouldn't be dependent on him. You would leave him. And so God in his wisdom has designed things similar to the Israelites in the Old Testament in which every day they get enough manna for that day and that's it, that we would be dependent on him, constantly seeking his kingdom, constantly asking that his grace, that his mercy would get us through. It's frustrating at times because for those of us that like independence, Christianity is not about independence. It's about dependence on God. And for those of us that love autonomy and independence and love our own ways, this can be frustrating, but this is God's design to keep his kids humble and dependent on him. Every day there is trouble, but every day there are mercies to fight those trouble. And God will give you what you need when you need it. Let me ask you this. What are you you worried about today? What are you anxious about? For Jesus, uh, he's speaking to his disciples, and they were worried, legitimately worried about food and drink and clothing. For, for most, or for many of us, that's not our biggest worry. We're, we're worried about other things. Perhaps you, you have joined in on the, on the choir and have, have, have mentioned that you feel like our country, the United States of America, is going downhill. You might even say things like, man, if we don't make some changes, this country is in big trouble. Things that were condemned 20 or 30 years ago are now being practiced by people. Not only practice, but openly, openly practice. And people are saying, if you don't do these things, we're going to try to bring you down. It it can't be the state of the church or the Christian church. What what is the church going to look like in 20 years? You know, I think about that for my own son. Like, what's going to happen with all these threats and all these worries and then I look in verse 25 and it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Everything. Your job is obedience, God's job is the outcomes. As has been said, your job is effort, God's job is the results. We cannot always control what happens with our kids, what happens with our country, what happens at work, but we can control, are we gonna trust God, or are we gonna worry? Are we gonna seek the kingdom of God, or are we gonna seek our own kingdom? What's most important? If every believer took up this command to seek first the kingdom of God, we would see more evangelism and more Christian faith spread to see people come to know Christ, to see more communities blessed. We fight for shalom and justice and peace as we not worry, trust God, and seek his kingdom. Paul assures us in the book of Romans, he says, He, that is God the Father, who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God was willing to take care of your biggest need, which is God's righteous anger towards everyone who doesn't repent and trust in Christ, through sending Jesus who died on the cross in your place for your sins and rose from the dead, your biggest need to be right with God, will he not also take care of your other needs? This faith in God is the theme of one hymn by B.B. McKinney. He wrote more than 500 songs He wrote a hymn called Have Faith in God, and it sounds a little like this Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God. He provides for his own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules. He reigns upon his throne. Let's pray. Father, we... We are in need of you. Lord, it's very difficult to be a faithful disciple in a place where there's so much luxury and comfort and abundance. We're so tempted to act like the Gentiles or the pagans in that context. I pray, God, that you would help us to cast all our anxieties on you because you care for us. Peter says in 1 Peter, pray that you would help us to to be gracious with ourselves. This isn't going to happen overnight, likely. It's going to be a process Help us, Lord, to trust you with the process and help us to put your kingdom above all other kingdoms. In Jesus' name, amen.